Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Hello. Oh my gosh. It's Hello. been a couple of weeks. I'm we, glad that we're- Yeah, it's probably not going to feel like that when we post this, but we took a couple of weeks off. Awesome real life. We have been all over the country, right? Even in Wyoming, right? Yes, Colorado, Wyoming. You were visiting a friend, actually a mutual friend of ours. Um, And then I was what? LA, San Antonio, North Carolina. Literally, LA. Really all over the place. San Antonio, North Carolina. It was rough. Um, But now I am just asleep right now. Like I'm actually- (laughs) You're awake, but you're asleep. Now I'm actually just sleepwalking. Actually, I'm really good. (laughs) That's actually all I'm doing right now. And when I tell you guys, I've actually been like, when I've been doing my writing, I've been falling asleep at like four o'clock in the afternoon, literally falling asleep typing. And I'm like, oh, this is what it means to be so exhausted. So we are going to do our best. We are just talking. See if we can get some clear trains of thought here. We will do do our best. (laughs) If you can hang with us, then you belong here. Yes, and maybe you're sleepwalking too. Hopefully you're not sleepwalking and trying to do like functional things. So, you know, okay. Um, all right. So we are talking today. I'm actually really excited about this topic. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell us. Yes. So we're going to talk about how humor and laughter can be misused and weaponized um, in toxic dynamics and the way that that plays out in a variety of different ways. Yeah. So we're really talking about like weaponizing a lot of just everyday things. So we're kind of just summarizing it like weaponizing humor, but it's definitely weaponizing everyday conversation elements. And we're going to give examples and really help, you know, our listeners understand how this really does show up in pretty much every dynamic. I, when I actually sit back and I think about, you know, when we give you examples, it's, it's probably just going to hit a nail on the head for you because we've heard these quips or these types of phrases pretty much all of our lives. If not, I actually heard these constantly when I was a teenager, (laughs) I heard these constantly as a teenager. Um, and I remember what's funny is we're learning how to be intuitive to ourselves. And so one of the things I want you to think about when we go over these examples today is how these examples feel when you hear them, like in your body, like, what does it feel like to hear some of these examples that we'll present for you guys? Um, because your body's going to tell you, right. I actually have these like body memories of when I was a teenager and people were like, you know, joking around something that was like actually abhorrent. Like it was so Mm -hmm. not funny. 
And I remember like kind of being nervously laughing or like laughing along. And I remember this terrible pit feeling in my stomach, like this feels terrible, right? But you're in this group, everybody's laughing, everybody's like trying to go along with it. And you know what? That does happen. It's really like, it's part of like learning how to hold your own. So we're going to get into examples. Um, We're really going to kind of speak to some of these toxic traits that come out. Remember, like we don't like to speak in like just one variation, like sure, this is found in certain narcissistic things, but like for the most part, when we're looking at toxic traits and when we're looking at like how people are interacting in a really harmful psychological way, this can be pervasive in many elements of friendships, of families, of like, you know, any type of power discrepancy, bosses, you know, coworkers kind of thing. Okay. So yeah. Where do we want to start? We want to just do some examples or just explain what we mean. Yeah, we can, we'll, we'll, we'll get to an example. Um, one thing I wanted to say was kind of like keeping with the umbrella theme of the podcast is like, what is there to unlearn through parsing through this topic and what, what you have to do in order to unlearn something is you kind of have to get in touch with why you did that thing in the first place. Mm. Um, and so that, I think we're going to have to make sure that we're analyzing that as we talk about. So this thing was said in quote unquote humor, people laugh along. If you were a person who laughed along, ask yourself why in that moment that I laugh, even if my body was telling me this isn't funny. And so for, for depending on the dynamic, depending on the personality types involved, you're going to have different, your answer to that might be different, right? For sometimes it's like literal safety. I felt unsafe to not laugh. So I had to laugh to keep myself safe. Other times it's, I wanted to be liked and accepted by this group. Okay. So what do you have to unlearn in that case? Uh, You have to (laughs) unlearn, you know, the concept of betraying your own authentic self in order to fit in with a group that clearly is misaligned with your authentic self. So we'll go into that in more detail if we have to, but let is, let's go ahead. Let's jump into a top. Let's jump into an example. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm thinking like kind of, I mean, there's like so many different things that you can see this in, Um, but you know, I don't know if we want to start off like it was a family one or like with a friend one. Cause I think we probably see this a lot in both of those situations, like with family and friends. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess, you know, poking fun at something that's like really cruel, like maybe saying something like, Hey, look at that guy limping over there. Doesn't he look like so dumb. Right. And everyone's like, yeah. And then they like, might like pretend to like limp around like that dude. Right. And like people around you are laughing and you might be like, okay, you know, like whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's the moments of what we mean and what it looks like before and after. Right. So when it's like um, when it's happening and you're laughing, what CA was just speaking of is like, why are you, are you, do you feel like this is a threat? Like, do you feel like you have to laugh? Because if you don't, they're going to be like attacking you. Like, are they going to be like, what, you don't think that's funny? Right. Or, oh, you can't take a joke. Right. Like, because they might actually be pretty threatening. Right. Especially if they have the audacity to make fun of someone who's like walking different than them. Right. So it's that concept of like, if they're so easily making fun of somebody, a lot of people will say, well, I laugh because I don't want to be made fun of. Definitely. I don't want to be targeted. Absolutely. That's a self-preservation is definitely a big, big reason. Um, I think about like looking back at my own adolescence 
I'm sure that was a huge reason why I left along to things that I knew were really mean spirited was because I didn't want to be the target. Cause I so often was that anytime there was an opportunity to not be the, butt, I would absolutely go along with it. Um, if there were certain people, yeah, depending on who was the perpetrator of said humor, I would laugh because I'd be like, oh, maybe they'll not make fun of me next time. Not realizing, oh no, they're totally still making fun of me when I'm not the present, you know? So mm. it's, yeah, that's a hard one with like, with group dynamics in like friend settings or you know, right. And then if we're talking about the big scope of unlearning, this is what I would say, right? Okay. So people are like, okay, so what are we supposed to do? Okay. Well, first of all, like, yes. Is it, is it, is it not great to laugh at something like that? Sure. I can agree with that. But if you end up laughing, it's almost like taking that moment and taking the moment and understanding why you were laughing. If it was self-preservation, if you felt threatened, if you felt whatever, you know, and then Once you get a level of understanding, what we're trying to say, and these are the greater connection pieces, is having more control over your exposure to the people that aren't safe in your life, right? So if you are in a friend group, and let's say you're in high school or in college or something, and that friend group includes this person that really makes you feel unsafe and you feel like you have to forcefully laugh and you feel like you have to cover because you're you're scared that they're going to make fun of you. Honestly, starting to hold enough self-advocacy, like enough conviction skills to say, I willfully won't be participating in this group. Like I get that there are fallout collateral damages, but if you have any friends that are in that group that are like, Hey, um, we didn't see you, you know, you didn't come by on Friday. Like we always hang out. That's your moment to be authentic. You literally say there are certain parts of that friend group that I feel really not safe with. And I'm not going to participate in like that group activity that that person's around. Right. And so this is where people really struggle because that means they have to show up with an action step. They have to change what they're doing. Right. And so when this happens in families, this is where it gets very complex with families. Okay. Because when families have a toxic uncle or a a really, really like very vindictively angry grandmother or something, people are like, well, what are we supposed to do? Not go to the family event. And I go, well, here's the thing is that first of all, you have to be so mindful of what you're about to go into, right? If the grandmother Mm -hmm. constantly is like, yeah, like let's make fun of everybody and everyone's supposed to be laughing at each other. Like, it's like you're weaponized. Like this, this person has been, showing you that there's a pattern of their behavior. They're going to probably engage in some of this. And most of the time people are just trying to be like, I hope it's not me today. Right. Okay. So we know that that might occur. It doesn't mean that you necessarily have to not go to the event, but what has to happen is you have to be very much on your game. Mm -hmm. You have to be aware of where you will be in like who you're going to be engaging with where you're going to be. If you have to be in the room with someone who's like actually presenting as very toxic and it's, let's say your opening presence, that might be the only time you actually have to be in the same room as them. Like everyone has to eat cake together. Everyone's doing presents. But if you're not, all right, then grab your cousin, hang out with, do you see what I'm saying? Like yes. if mm-hmm. you know that that person is like, come over here and talk to me, 
literally what you're doing, you're taking your skill set and you're saying, this is going to be a very limited conversation. So if she starts talking to me for a long time, you're going to say, you know what? Um, you're going to literally use something as like, you know what? I had to go to the bathroom or something where you literally are like mm-hmm. trying to protect yourself because this is the hardest part. The best ideal situation is that you actually call your grandmother out on her behavior, but let's just say this. And I, and I always try to use nuances for this because family is very complex. There are some families where that literally is not safe to do. Exactly. Okay. So if your grandmother starts poking fun at you and you realize what's happening and you're like, I don't want to attend to this conversation, you might actually do some kind of directive or deflective you might direct her to, oh, do you want to have some cake or, oh, do you want to do something? Yes. Or you might deflect and you might go to the bathroom or you might be like, oh, you know what? I got to take this phone call or I got to go, return. you know, you mm-hmm. might do something deflective because in certain family situations, I absolutely empathize with those people that are like, I could never do that at a birthday party because my grandmother is so like, like vitriolic that she would actually flip her like shit in the middle of the party and say, how dare you? Right. Or something like that. And that actually could happen. Right. And so for example, those are those moments where you kind of have to know time and place. You Mm -hmm. have to know time and place. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's basically the very convoluted thing when it happens in families, because friendships, you have a little bit more I think that was good to kind of get into some of the various ways that you could handle it. Cause there isn't, we're on this podcast. Like we're not here to say that there's just like this one solution for every problem. And we're so aware of nuance that it's almost like to a fault. Like we see nuance in places. Most people don't. So yeah, I mean, I think that there's depending on your situation and your dynamic, there's a variety of different solutions that you can try to, to get to with these dynamics. So another one I want to get into is because you almost, you, you got there with the grandma example. Um, but so when we were giving the friend example, it was kind of like, when they're like belittling some other person over there, what happens when it's you, you are literally the one that is being the butt of someone's joke and it's happening in real time. And usually in those situations, it's like, we can't even think straight and our body starts reacting before our brains have time to adjust to the reality of what just happened. And so I think that's why sometimes we laugh when somebody makes fun of us, even though it was really hurtful is because like, our bodies literally just react before our brains have a chance to catch up. So I personally, I know I have absolutely been on this end <laughs> so many times where somebody straight up just, just like makes fun of something to me, to my face and they laugh and everyone around laughs. And I laugh. Cause I'm like, okay, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And it's not so much later that I realize how hurtful that was. And so when we have those moments, then it's like, okay, so let's learn and unlearn. All right. Why did I laugh? And if that happens to me again, moving forward, what can I do to actually advocate for myself with this against this person? Right. And I think that's the problem that we usually face is that we come out of those situations angry at ourselves when in reality, the 
it's a both situation where we're trying to realize what, like, I spoke to this before and a lot of people think this is like a victim blaming statement, but it's like, sometimes we're angry at ourselves for not being prepared, right? Like we know the pattern, right? Mm -hmm. We know grandma's like that. We know that uncle blah, blah, blah actually pokes fun at us. We know that we're the target, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's not that like, we're trying to like be a masochist and like hurt ourselves and like whatever, but like, we don't want our pain. It's just that like, when we show up to the party and then uncle Frank hurts our feelings, there's this weird anger that happens. Like you knew he was going to do that. Right. And so we get like angry at ourselves and it's not necessarily looking at like victim blaming. We're not saying, see, it's Mm -hmm. your fault. You went to the party. No, you're allowed to go to the party. It's that I think we get angry that we go into these situations and then come out of them, honestly, not having anything that's gained from that experience. So for example, what CA was just talking about is like, okay, learn what actually occurred, the situation that happened, your reaction, their reaction, how it went down. What were the emotions? Did you feel unsafe? Did they feel like they were threatening you? What was happening if you gave any pushback, right? Learn all of those things. And then where some of that like lack of resentment will like dissipate is when you literally have a plan. You literally are saying, okay, uncle Frank is probably going to do this. So I have a couple of choices. I can either advocate for myself. I can either do the direction or the deflection. And I can say, oh, okay, uncle Frank, you know, looks like we got to start eating dinner, like, you know, and like direct him for something else. Right. Or you can, you can also address, you can also address it and be like, uncle Frank, you know, spend 10 years. I really think this is an old joke, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then they might come at you with the gaslighting. They really might be like, what are you talking about? You're dramatic. I don't know what you're talking about. You always like this joke. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is what I wanted you to speak to CA is, is Mm -hmm. actually when they speak our own experience over us. And this is the skill set of holding the narrative correct. So, and that's why I feel like sometimes this happens in a graduated resolution because you might go in with that plan. Okay. This is what I'm going to say. Well, you, then you didn't expect uncle Frank to gaslight you back. So you don't have a plan prepared for that part. Cause you were like, Oh, I didn't realize he was going to do that. So what had what might happen is you try to stand up for yourself or someone else might try to stand up for you. Someone else in the family might go, Hey, can you seriously stop talking about CA's nose? Like, why do you make that joke every time? Like, it's so annoying. You literally need to stop. And then uncle Frank goes, CA can take a joke. I've been like, she's fine. Right. And like, it's all good. And then I'm sitting there like, well, uh, like I literally wasn't prepared for that situation. And so then like, I, you know, just kind of go along with whatever. And then I'm like walking away going, okay, what do I do next time about the gaslighting portion of it? Because I forgot that that was going to happen. Um, or I didn't realize that that was going to happen. And so you really do kind of have to understand that like these sorts of things like can take time (laughs) to, to play out. And that's why depending on how the dynamic is, sometimes you really do just have to like limit contact to the best of your ability when you realize, okay, uncle Frank is like literally never going to stop no matter what anybody says. So we need to just figure out how to, you know, not engage. Right. Or 
or, you know, there's, there's other strategies, but, um, yeah. So I feel like that, that is one that is very difficult to be in that position where you hear someone speak over you about your own feelings and your own tolerances for things where they go, Oh, she's fine. She can take a joke. And then what that does is it puts you in a position where you are expected to give implicit agreement. You're expected. Yeah. It's less than consent. You're consenting to the, to the abuse. Yeah, exactly. You're actually being told that you're okay with it. Yeah. And, and when you're not prepared for that, then you accidentally do that and you do accidentally provide that, you know, kind of quote, right, because in reality, weaponized laughter is we're asking people to consent to whatever I just said by laughing with us. Right. And yeah. people are like, well, it's just a joke. Why would, or not a joke. It's just a, it's just me laughing. Like, am I really agreeing with it? And I go, it's a nonverbal. It's basically it a, a nonverbal. I yeah. literally, well, I mean, you're not speaking words, but you're actually actively doing an affirmative, like emotional experience. You're literally having an affirmative action. If that makes sense. Like you're yeah. literally affirming what they are doing by laughing with them. Right. So when CA's yeah. nose gets joke, which by the way, I don't even know. What you- I'm like, CA, your nose is cute. Um, no, but like, like CA, CA, like if I'm in the group, right. And like uncle, blah, blah, blah. Uncle Frank is sitting here. Like, yeah, like, you know, you know how she, she must have a really good sense of smell. You know what she, right. It's like something like that. And I sit there and, you know, he's like, he's like, right guys. And I'm like, <laughs> sure. Uncle Frank, you know, and I'm sitting there laughing I might not even have to say, sure. I might be like, (laughs) oh, Uncle Frank, right? I didn't say you're funny. I didn't say that's a good joke. I didn't say anything. I just laughed and then made it seem like it was like this, oh, weird Uncle Frank making weird jokes, right? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That is normalizing the abusive dynamic, like the bullying dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we're really talking about is like, really asking yourself how you're showing up to these situations. And in the beginning, it might just look like holding space. This is why I want to look at it incrementally because sure, eventually you might be at level five and literally looking at uncle Frank and being like, you're done. Like (laughs) you're done. You're You're done. done. (laughs) We're not making the joke anymore. I know, but like, no saying, like, that's very, that's honestly, people are like, yeah, I want to do that. And I go, but that's a very highly skills, like that's a highly developed skill set when we're talking about the levels of what it means to hold space for this problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So for right. example, the issue is, first of all, you got to notice what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. That's the first level is noticing how you showed up to that situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if it's happening to you, notice how you're either receiving it. Maybe you're laughing along. Maybe you're also nodding in consent. You're, you think that's funny, right? And you're like, uncle Frank, you know, and you kind of play it off. Like it's a stupid joke, right? Okay. Well, actually paying attention to how you reacted is the first step. Okay. Then this is what CA is talking about is like, it's almost a buildable skill is that when you start becoming more and more aware of how you're showing up, right? One of the skill sets might just not be reacting. Right. It might just be stone facing, right? Like you you think about it, right. In very toxic systems. And I am telling you, (laughs) I have, I have lived this moment. Like when someone isn't engaging 
the group think. Oh yeah. Someone immediately sees what do you got a problem with that? That is like very much, you know, where you're at. (laughs) Let me just tell you, you know, you're in a toxic system. If the one person that does not hold space or actually honor let's in this case, it's laughter. I get that there's Mm -hmm. other situations where this stuff can happen, but in this case, you're not laughing. You know, you are embedded in a very, very rough situation when you are the only one who's not laughing and they actually look at that as an, a personal attack. Yes, absolutely. That's and so, and yeah, and that is its own level of skill set that you will have to develop to be able to manage that moment because now it's like you against the group and are you ready for that? Right. And sometimes you might not be, and you might fumble and that's okay. Cause that's how you learn. And then hopefully next time you show up and you are stronger and you have a different set of skills to be able to actually sit inside your authentic space and say, you know, that's not funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not so. Right. And like, let me just give you the long game for this, the long game for this. And this is why it's so important for anyone listening to realize why, why the hell is this so important? Why is it so important to get to a point of noticing how you're showing up and knowing whether or not you're colluding with an abusive situation or not? Like, mm-hmm. obviously the, the surface level, sure. We don't want to be part of these systems, right? Sure. I get that. But also you got to remember every single step, every single action or inaction is contributing to people's perceptions of what you think is allowable. Okay. So for example, Say that again, you, because that's actually really important. I don't know if I can. <laughs> you were saying, let me see if I can say it. You said every action or inaction is contributing to people's perception of what is allowable. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what you deem to be allowable or not allowable. And that is the crux of it right there. Right. Right. I want you to hear that because if you think about why we feel so dissonant in these situations is that when we become part of systems that really do have some of these toxic traits that are honestly norms, they are norms of the family. They are norms of the friend group. It is normal for that level of sarcasm to be that high and everyone getting poked fun at and everyone has to go along with it, right? It becomes so normal that when someone actually sits with the understanding, no, I'm actually really uncomfortable every time I'm in that friend group. No, I'm actually really uncomfortable every time I go to Uncle Frank's. No, this is actually real. And there's a reason why I don't want to be there. Right. Okay. So when you hold space for that, okay, this is what we mean by like the person who doesn't laugh gets called out. Okay. Is the second you don't laugh, the people in the group are realizing that you are holding yourself to a standard that's different than what they're holding themselves to, right? So you're saying, no, actually, this is where you end and I begin. This is where your perception of thinking I'm okay with this is stopping. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually showing up very authentically and not laughing, right? And this is where that system gets punishable. They're going to punish you for not showing up in the way they want you to show up, right? So they want you to laugh at the toxic jokes. They want you to laugh at the person who's differently able. They want you to laugh at that stuff and they want it to be normal, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with like racist jokes, same thing with bigotry jokes. Like they want it to be normal. They don't want to feel 
like they're the wrong one. So if they can convince the group that this is just a joke, this Mm -hmm. is just sarcasm. This is just me poking fun. And this is the way it is, right? The second someone's the outlier, yes, they have a target on their back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you'll notice that in these types of systems, it usually is like there's a ringleader typically sure. that is the one perpetuating the dark humor stuff. I don't even want to use that term because I actually lovingly have a sense of dark humor. Well, no, dark humor is use, different than what we're, we're talking gonna about. Web, we're going to stick with weaponized humor. It's like, yeah, because really like dark is, humor is like, I mean, believe yeah, me, I no. <laughs> um, there usually is a ringleader, right? There's usually one person, maybe sometimes they've got like, they're too close, like lieutenants that also like engage in it directly. They're like, crowding Goyle. They're crowding. <laughs> so you usually have the Malfoy occasionally the crabbing crab and Goyle might like, and then you, you have know. the Voldemort. <laughs> but really it's like what, it, what the reason why they are going to start punishing the person who spoke out is because they need to maintain the strength of the group and by them punishing that individual, it, it discourages anybody else from the group from also speaking out because this is what happens to people who speak out. Exactly. Even if other people in that group saw the person speak out and go like, Oh, actually, I feel like I agree with them. Like, even if inside they're thinking that as soon as they start seeing this punishing dynamic, they're going to hold that in because that is like, well, I don't, never mind. Like, I'll just go along with status quo because I do not want to be called out like that. Right. Right. But then do you see how you're sacrificed your authenticity sacrifice now? Right. Because you're like, wait, I really did resonate with Goyle when he stood up to (laughs) Draco. Like when he stood up to him, I really did like agree with Goyle. Like he really Mm -hmm. sounded like he had a really decent argument, which means your authentic self is now going along with a narrative that doesn't align with who you are. And every time you laugh at every joke that Draco does, and every time you do one of his like insidious plans or whatever, it's not actually aligned with you anymore. Right. So you're actually completely out of control of that situation and whatever they say goes. Right. And so this is what we mean by like, remember in like previous episodes, when we talk about self-sovereignty to be self-sovereign is to be so in tune with your authentic self and actually realize that by being your authentic self, things will have to fall apart. And I don't mean all always remember these are nuanced takes. So it doesn't mean that you have to go no contact with your family and it doesn't mean you have to get rid of all your friends, but you have to be very particular with how you show up to these situations Mm -hmm. and you have to be very intentional with Mm -hmm. the way you show up. Okay. That's all we're saying because it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be combative. I feel like a lot of times people think about these situations and they think, well, I'm just not confrontational. I'm not combative. Like I'm just not that type of person. Well, guess what? I definitely am not. I'll tell you that right now. I am like, I never in my life would the word confrontational be a word I would ever use to describe myself, but However, and I am now to a point in my life where like I have 
dove so deep into my own authentic self and sitting deeply in that sovereign seat within myself that I'm not the person to laugh along with a joke. That's not funny to me anymore. I've gained that set of skills and it's almost like, I don't see that as confrontation. I see that as loyalty to my authentic self in those moments. So it's not me going against this other person. It's me honoring and honoring and going with my own self. Right. And so I feel like maybe if you can start to conceptualize it in your mind in that way, a little bit more to where it's not like you don't have to be going against someone or like anti and like this friction feeling. No, just say that I'm going to go with myself and I'm going to honor my own feelings and thoughts about things instead of honoring somebody else's thoughts and feelings. Exactly. Exactly. And I love the idea of like what we're really speaking to is that self-advocacy skill set that like really is so important to realize that it it really is about conceptualization because if I keep conceptualizing, like I just got to train, I got to change Draco's mind and I got to speak up for myself and I got to convince him that what he's doing is wrong. No, you don't because Draco could go on and find another crab and goyle in two seconds, right? All you have to do is ask yourself, am I okay with this situation? And how do I delineate where his, like Draco's narrative, where am I delineating from his narrative and how can I hold mine strong enough against that? Right. And so that's what we mean is like, it's even people who are not confrontational. It's like, we're not really speaking to like, yeah, like go at him and like, try to fix uncle Frank. Like it's more like by you actually holding your own narrative so strong you're, you're strengthening this skill set for like anyone, not just Uncle Frank, not just Draco, anybody that's trying to dictate so kind of any type of power dynamic over you. You are actually using this skill in any situation where that occurs. Yes. Not just this one particular one. Absolutely. All right. I think we are just wrapping it up today. I really appreciate you guys. Um, I just, I don't know. What are you thinking? Are we going to start doing our like little send up? I was thinking like our, if we were going to do our send up, I was thinking we should do. And remember guys, they tell on themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Because literally I'm like to me. Okay. Seriously. This is so funny. People who really have like these traits, they they do though. It's hell on themselves. No, it's so true. And it's they really so do. Obvious. It's bizarre. It's bizarre how they tell bizarre. themselves. Once you see it, you're like, yeah. what? And you can never unsee it. And then you're just like, this is crazy. Like it's it's wild. So, so yeah. let's do that. We'll end it like that. We'll say, remember, guys. They tell on themselves. <laughs> People listening are like, what's wrong? Whether or not that ever occurs to, again, I don't know if it will, but um, we apologize. Okay. <laughs> All right. Till next time. We'll see you next week. Okay.
Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollected self and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work Thank you.